this overproduction of, of communications and and um, and uh, you know documents before like I would like to see also more things about monitoring mechanisms like what happened in this policy. Welcome to the My Energy 2050 podcast, where we speak to the people building a clean energy system by 2050. Today we speak with Maria Kotari, an expert on Europe's energy transition and an advocate for intergenerational and gendered approaches to get us to a sustainable energy system. She is a research associate at the European Centre for Climate, Energy and Resource Security at King's College London. She is also an advisor to the Impactor app, which aims to increase sharing of sustainable actions by people in their teens and early 20s. And she is a former researcher at the European Commission's Joint Research Center. I invited Maria onto the podcast because of her expertise on how EU energy policies work. She shares with us why these policies and programs are aspirationally important. We begin our talk about why Maria became interested in energy, why current institutions are unable to implement an energy transition, and the role that the Energy Union and Green Deal play in getting European countries to a sustainable energy system by 2050. We both go into detail about why the EU can't just throw money at governments and expect an energy transition, so expect a little rant there. We also address how a younger generation provides a call for us to act in finding better ways to implement a grassroots effort at change, like mainstreaming the idea that women have a large role to play in the energy transition, and how sharing grassroots actions can inspire others to act. Thank you for joining this episode of the My Energy 2050 podcast. If you find this episode useful, please send it forward on social media, highlighting the part you found most useful. And now for today's episode. How, how are you? Thank you very much for, for making the time here. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Like, uh, it's really like this kind of stuff, like really interesting, interests me. And actually, you know, it's like a little bit going away from the bubble of, you know, research and uh, like gives a little bit more liberty, whatever we're doing, like either in the academia or in the policy making. And I consider like like also really important because like we can like really onboard people and that they understand what are we are doing because like my great great fear like you know this like when I discuss with people they are really interested in my field and at the same time then but what are you doing exactly? Yes. And, yes. and this is like a big question for us that we are not engineers because like if, if I was an energy engineer it would be like really straightforward. But then when I say a politics sustainable energy transition, it seems wow. But at the same time to break it down and make it like, you know, really approachable, uh, I, I think that there is a gap there. Huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. So this is congratulations it. For, for the initiative and um, yeah, I'm really, you know, committed on that. I don't want like um, to create a new bubble. Yes. Uh, because actually if we're committed to a greater goal, that means like the, the, the transition, transition will not be made in, 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 in the European Parliament building or in Berlemont is going to happen in the everyday life. And yeah, no, it, it's how do we communicate, especially in social sciences and the energy transition, what, what we do and the work that we do and not just kind of have it uh, hidden away in, in a journal. There's so many great uh, journal articles, but how many people have access to those? And then how many people actually read the reports that come out from different institutions? So, you know, we see it in the news, but how do we communicate it? So this is the kind of the intent of the podcast and the blog is to build out in a much more casual way and then much more rapid way, not taking, uh, not taking years uh to write a book or write a book, yeah, yeah and actually you know like for me it's like uh you know fighting also the populism because then people that they 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 are they are interested in finding information then you know they go to the social media and they just grab whatever is there and uh like i think like in 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 the uh uh yeah in the academic um circle it's like it's our responsibility also to, to fight populism Yes, no, yes. So, and if you think about populism is not based on science so much at all, or they reject it pretty explicitly, and it takes us scientists years to, to develop something. So it's easy for yeah. them to get their message out, where we, 
they'd like to have facts and, and analysis done. Yeah, true. And, and the COVID, actually the COVID, like the pandemic, shown us, you know, really in, in, in a very, very bright way, let's say, like everybody became, okay, I'm not against people having opinions, but we're talking about, about something that's like really specifically um, and, and, and scientific, and everybody knows how to, to fight the virus, but still <laughs> the virus is, is there. <laughs> and, and growing, uh, and growing. Uh, okay, just so um, maybe I think what we do is, is I keep this maybe in the podcast, <laughs> our, our opening. So Maria Kotari, uh, welcome to the My Energy 2050 podcast. Uh, thank you, Michael, for having me here. Nope. Great. Thank, thanks for the invitation. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I was. I really enjoyed. I know we met the ECPR virtual conference uh, this year, and and I had the role of a discussant in the session with your paper, and I really enjoyed it, and it got me looking at your work and both you professionally as as well. What what you're doing, and that's why I wanted to have you on and kind of exactly what we were just uh, speaking about is how do we kind of communicate and I see that you're doing a lot of communication about the energy transition and getting different people involved and um, but maybe we, we back up a bit because I think we're both uh, very passionate about the energy sector and energy as a as a field of study I mean in one sense it's so multidisciplinary but but we have energy uh, almost as the field itself but you, yeah. you have a, a law background. What, what, what's your background and why did you become interested in energy? Uh, yeah, no, my, my background, like my, my bachelor was on, uh, like it's a big title. Like at first I am, uh, I come from Greece and in Greece we're like really a fan of, of big titles. Huh? Uh, so my, my bachelor uh, was on uh, International European Economic, uh, Political Economic Studies, uh, but with focus on, on political science and European integration and international relations. Uh, and then I got really fascinated by, by um, political philosophy. Uh, so I have chosen that as my as my master's thematics. Uh, yeah, it sounds crazy, and I don't know. Like with with maturity of of my years now, I don't know if I had if I had like uh, you know chosen that again. Like meaning thinking about about the professional future, but I really do not regret. Uh, because what, what, what attracted I, you? What was this philosophical perspective that you were getting? Uh, yeah, like the this interplay of ideas, like trying to find like the truth. It's it's simplistically saying, say, but uh, it was actually it was actually that. Uh, and like studying philosophy and political philosophy, although it seems to be something very abstract. Uh, to the contrary, it really helped me to 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 develop a certain a certain way of thinking and centered way of breaking down ideas and concepts, a certain way to understand and going beyond the surface. So I think at the end, like my master was like a really brilliant, brilliant idea. And um, there, uh, actually, this like where my energy uh, my energy trip begins uh, because we. Uh, I had a very, very interesting um, uh, course uh, that was named uh, Environmental Law and Philosophy of Life and Nature. And um, yeah, it was like a real revelation for me because we started talking about how, how people actually interact with, with the natural environment, what they, they, um, how they see their positioning uh, in the natural environment from the antiquity Till, till nowadays and this is like really topical uh, it's like it was for me my the introduction in climate environmental politics and economics and um, yeah I see now that the way that I see what is happening now like with the, with the climate change it really like focused on 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 the on the on, on the course that I had at that at that moment so, so you um, took this environmental uh, perspective is that how how it came through not not really. Actually, you know what? What more? I focused more. It was like really this management of the common natural resources. Okay. And uh -huh. then, and then a step forward because, like, I really at some point I really missed this international relations per perspective, and I was always like fascinated about this interplay of power. Um, and there, like, the energy came into the play. I was discussing with with uh, with professors in Sciences Po in, in Bordeaux, uh, and I was thinking about, like, you know, doing a PhD back then, and um, 
um, after I wanted also like a, a, a discipline in the in the international relations and thematic that was not very very that it was innovative. I didn't I didn't want to do like I, I remember that, that back then uh, it was international law. It was like really in fashion, and I am always in up to to things that they are not very very discussed. And um, yeah, all these parameters like uh, you know gave gave me the. Um, um, you know, lead me to 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 the energy research. Um, and, it, and, and it was difficult at that time because uh, I think you mentioned in another interview, and we'll have a link to that. Is yeah. is uh, there wasn't a lot of publications, there wasn't a lot of research going on on this energy justice, social science perspective in the energy transition. Yeah, to be honest, like I had to reinvent my field. So at the end, what was my field? It was. A stricter sense of philosophical perspective. To be honest, I didn't want to to do because, like, I found that it will remain reading papers and it will not give me um, many, you know, takeaways or you know, ways of disseminating my, my knowledge. Uh, then going back to the IR, and then of course, like I started when I started studying, um, I started with the with the notion of energy security and the interplay of power and the state power. So something like really more, uh, you know, uh, international relations let's say, uh, you know, classical theories. Uh, and then um, I think that the brilliant idea was that to see how, how the energy takes uh, place a uh, role in the, in, the, in the EU integration. And of course, like energy mm-hmm. was there since the beginning. Yeah, yeah uh, since the very beginning. But, but maybe uh, if we can reflect on maybe more traditionally energy was addressed through geopolitics, if we're talking about IR. Mm-hmm. So in the IR field, it would be these geopolitics, oil mainly, but at the same yes. time, at the heart of the EU is the oil and steel or the coal and steel community. The coal communities, yeah. Mm-hmm. But actually, you know, the, the uh, having uh, as as um, thematic of study of the European integration, like having energy, it leads you to, to other disciplines as well, because actually you're, you're talking about uh, integration theories, uh, about uh, political and economic cohesion, so en- energy was everywhere. And uh, it was like really pre- a prominent discipline. Uh, and actually, I, although in the beginning, uh, like I remember that I was in conferences and we were like really few people, and we we're mostly talking about 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 um, about the pipelines and mm-hmm. as you 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 mentioned the um, the geopolitics and um, sometimes even the panels didn't attract many people. And for me, the the turning point was when I attached that to 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 the to the to the EU politics and after you after you a few years like the the whole the whole uh you know discipline bloomed so uh, i think like uh, I, I i made like a really wise decision and uh, i was like really proactive at that moment and now we have like energy energy policy classes everywhere there are uh, specific masters that they, they focus on the on, on, on energy politics from various perspectives huh? mm-hmm. and that's nice because the um, the discipline itself have has bloomed and and enriched and, and something that I, I really really like and also it's like really evolving and uh, for me as a researcher and professional that's really good because I have I have uh, you know a discipline that it's changing day after day and, and you this have to stay like, on top of everything. Uh, yeah, and that's the difficult thing. I, like sometimes uh, I'm talking even, you know, during conferences, <laughs> somebody's coming up with with a percentage about a new goal and say, okay, I didn't check my Twitter today. Like, Wait, <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's one reason I want to talk to you about the Green Deal. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I need to know more about it. But but that's cheating. Uh, I, w- I wanted to go back uh, just one uh, one bit there. You mentioned about it blowing up, the topic of energy and even energy transition, going from just looking at the infrastructure itself to, to things kind of blowing up uh, when we talk about EU integration. Is there a, one event or a couple of events that happened within a, t- a short time period that uh, brought uh, greater attention and then academics into this area? Uh, yeah, like actually, what what I am like always say when when I'm invited or when I am teaching like um, uh, the EU energy politics, I say that uh, the development of EU energy policy is is a combination of two defining actors. Like what is happening in the internal of the EU 
EU, EU uh, member states and then the external factors mm -hmm. and these like and these these two uh, you know factors they go go in parallel so uh, we had of course the gas disputes and uh, how it it uh, reflected and how it impacted negatively Russia um, and Ukraine is that or and Ukraine and what mm -hmm. was like actually how the EU should have you know, reacted because like this uh, brought uh, again um, uh, memories from from the global oil crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, but back then we didn't have a union like had so many states and so it was like re different you know historical and political circumstances. And uh, of course, I this Fukushima accident and the and the you know and the future of of of, uh, um, of the nuclear power that was actually one of the peaceful energy sources when when the uh, you know the EU uh, community is taken off uh, so all those parameters like accumulated a new era for for the energy, energy so we have uh, can I just interrupt two two kind of eras or two two kind of key events the Russia Ukraine gas dispute in 2009 that brought home I think the energy security disruption mm -hmm. to the EU and particularly the dependency of the new member states in Eastern Europe and, so that was new to the EU, and then we have Fukushima. I, I and this is I'm glad you brought Fukushima up because then it's not so much a security of supply in a geopolitics sense, but it's a technical issue over the choice of a te energy technology. Mm -hmm. And not only a technical issue, also a social issue, huh? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes. uh -huh. because it really directly threatened the human space. Uh, so and it, it's like you know now now with with more recent events, this is like also back in in, in, in the debate. And and uh, it really changed even the policy debate in Europe. Like for example, Germany used it as exactly, a reason to uh, shut down. Yeah, exactly. Like this was like uh, and then uh, for me, like it was also um, we have seen like uh, member states talking about the future of their of their policy. Of their energy policy that uh, back in the years like energy was like something that was like really state centric uh, and uh, of course from from uh, the treats of, of, of the function of the energy of the of the uh, European Union uh, energy still is still something that remains to the jurisdiction of the of the member states we we should never never forget about that like for me it's like a standpoint where everything that that the member states ha have the right to decide about their energy future and the energy sources but actually uh, this brings us to your article that you published a new era for global energy governance mm -hmm. and and uh i was wondering if maybe you could expand on this because I, what i liked about the article was that you go into and you list uh, the different um Current energy institutions like the mm -hmm. uh, the IEA. Uh, I'm just trying to remember. And the IRENA, of mm -hmm. course, and the REN21 and the Renewable Energy and Efficiency Partnership. Um, uh, yeah, these, are, like these are mainly reporting institutions, and to not their, yeah, yeah, they are they are not institutions that they can impose binding rules. Of course, it's important mm -hmm. that they are there because they're opening the debate and they have some their like bright examples about about how to to uh, to have open access to data or more participatory uh, you know um, ways of research uh, in order to produce a report in order to make the, the public know what is happening in the in the energy sector of, of different uh, of different um, um, countries in the world and uh, mostly those those what I like actually in those organizations that they are uh, really focused on the emerging economies uh, so mm -hmm. they're not really eurocentric they are more they have a more global um, uh, global outreach uh, although what you see is like this fragmentation like that they're not taking energy as a whole on energy sector as a whole sometimes like it's only focusing on on specific technologies or only in the renewable energy sector and where is like this uh, you know uh, how, how how we bring everything together like and, and not in a way that should be battling um, but it ensures um, like certain commitments are met. What about what about say the Agency for Cooperation of Energy Regulators? So the EU set this institution up, and it does have some kind of enforcement yeah. mechanism. But yeah, no, uh, ASTER, for example, I think it was like really. Uh, it's one of the agencies that's like really, really important and very, very. Uh, uh, you know, is producing a lot of of, of research and and 
concrete actions and it was like for me one of the best uh, you know outcomes from the um, third um, energy and climate um, uh, pact um, but uh, yeah it's still um, <laughs> I don't know, like, uh, I'm a little bit shocking to, to, the, to the fact that uh, it's many, there, there are many, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't think that we're lacking of institutions. I don't think that mm -hmm. we're lacking of, 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 uh, of policies or proposals. The thing is that even, especially for the EU, I think that we're, it's overproducing, like, policies and mechanisms and overproducing of, of papers and, and communications and I don't know, like, really how, you know, all, the, all those titles. But what it... it uh, Sorry, it's let me stop you there. I love that. I really <laughs> love that. Sorry. I think that goes to one reason I'm doing the podcast. I... I, I I d there's so much out there, right? And there's so much trying to be communicated at the same time, and it's so technical. But where are we, right? And and it's still the national yeah. competencies of the national exactly. government. Yeah, like it, it was a thing that uh, when I was a PhD, a PhD student, and I was like, uh, you know, I, I I did a lot of the discourse analysis of of the of the of the of those documents. Uh, but of course, like we have to say that, uh, you know, it was like after two thousand and eight that we have like European Commission being more involved in the in the formation of the of the of the EU energy policy and, and climate, um, and uh, like in papers, everything seems perfect. That all everything is taken into consideration. Although, if you if you go through the different documents, you find like there is a constellation of the different data. So you have like like to put so much effort in order to find out what is really happening. Like, what is the exact numbers? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, what is the exact the exact number in terms of funding? In terms of you know, like for me, like this is really really a, a problem. At the same time. This overproduction of, of communications and and um, and uh, you know documents before like I would like to see also more things about monitoring mechanisms like what happened in this policy mm -hmm. what were the results of of a certain policy that had a certain deadline and I think that is like really this is a really something that is missing. Can we, can uh, we um, maybe see? give something solid like uh, for example the energy union and um, that was the best last kind of big we could say project and then now we have the green deal but but what happened uh, with the energy union? Because uh, I'm well, still uh, writing an article about the energy union and I haven't finished it and now I have to change it for the no, 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 uh, Like, uh, you know, now I will use a bit more, uh, more my institutional, uh, you yes. know, professional background because uh, I used to, to work for three years for, for the uh, Joint Research Center, the, the science, the so-called science hub of the, of the, of the um, uh, European Commission. Uh, I have to say here that it was like really personal choice. I spent uh, six months in Brussels to do my, my interviews for my PhD uh, thesis and so I had interactions with the policy DGs uh, forming you know, the EU and climate policy and I really wanted to go to a DG that provides the data. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was like really a fortunate occasion that I could go and be employed uh, at the Joint Research Center. Um, and actually joined Joint Research Center in 2016, like one year after uh, first def defending my, my thesis and then with the launch. Actually, when I, when I uh, defended my, th my thesis uh, in September, I defended my thesis in, in July 2015 and then the launch of the, of the Energy Union was uh, in, 2000, uh, in September the same okay. year. Okay, wow. And I remember, like, the, really the last words uh, was about, like, at, at that point, like, was, like, really criticizing, like, what is going to happen. And, um, uh, you know, energy, energy, energy union is, um, you know, in simplistic terms, like, internal management of, of European Commission uh, to bring together the two different portfolios that they are really complementary of, of uh, energy and climate. And uh, to distinguish a little bit, uh, you know, who is doing what, mm -hmm. uh, I would want to, to say that, uh, you know, in simplistic terms. And, um, you know, it should be and it is regarded as internal management of the, of the European Commission in order to be able to articulate a more, 
more straightforward and more forward-looking energy and climate uh, climate policy. Um, and of course, like this giving also the power to the Commission to, to um, represent the Member States in a more coherent way in international fora, like, for example, the Paris Agreement, like we had um, uh, Aris Cañetes that signed the, the Paris Agreement on behalf of, of the European Union as the head of the you know, uh, Energy Union Commissioner at, uh, at, at that point. So, so, uh, so the Energy Union served as, a, as a, the ability for international negotiations? International commitments uh, of the, yes, uh, also like better allocation, streamlining of the activities, or clearer definition also of the roles of between the different uh, different involved uh, disease. Like me, as also, uh, if I regard that as 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 uh, an employee at that moment, um, Energy Union like really gave. A roadmap, let's say, of the activities, internal activities of wh- where we're heading, and actually, you know, these distinctive dimensions, these five dimensions that they are like mutually, you know, interconnected. Um, it cleared up a little bit, really, who is doing what and what has like more global outreach, or, for example, uh, you know, this goal about 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 being um, number one in renewables. This like really is, is an overarching goal. Then, for example, the project that I was work, working for was uh, mostly for uh, for uh, mobilizing private and national funds for research and innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was like really also a good roadmap for the member states of what is happening in this you know puzzle of of, of energy and of course onboarding climate as well with the, especially with the um, emission trading systems and like oh, again with this overarching goal of, of decarbonization so can we like, describe also, it can, can we describe yeah. it as the energy union as bringing together the different parts that make the energy system and climate exactly um, James, exactly, and I think, you know, like if you if you see, uh, you know, because actually this was really um, an initiative of of uh, Junkers, uh, you know, commissioner, and uh, you have like this union in in other policies, so it's like really it was a keyword, and I think it was uh, in order was to bring um, to bring up this concept of solidarity and this concept of really a coherent uh, way of of working uh, mm-hmm. not only in the institutions but also you know in, in terms of, of the member states so so, and, sorry, I, I, uh, so solidarity which is really important because so so if that was 2015 it was it was kind of a reflection of solidarity among all you uh, member mm-hmm. states including those in the uh, east that have have this dependency on russian gas so it was tied yeah. up into this, along with the climate change agenda, uh, yeah. electrification cross border. Exactly, and actually, you know, in order, like for for the for the for the union to be to be present as as a single voice in the Paris Agreement. Huh? So it's again like we have. I, I already, you know, I have mentioned like how how the the external, you know, factors and what is happening in the global states, like really, uh, you know, um, um, influences how the European Union works and the formation of the Energy Union for me is like really a striking example. Mm-hmm. example and then now, now we have the Green Deal. Uh, yeah. Do. You- <gasps> That's a Maybe I need to find an expert in the, in the European Commission that can talk to me more about the Green Deal. Uh, oh, yeah. So I was just, maybe my, my question to you is, um, and maybe that goes back to the, our earlier discussion about philosophy and just what a mm-hmm. just transition is and maybe the just transition mechanism. Um, could do you, mm-hmm. do you have something to say there or... Yeah, like uh, Green Deal is for me like a puzzle and something that sounds really fascinating. And actually, it was introduced after I, I left. Uh, so let's say like I prepared. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I have I had many discussions also with with other scholars and uh, trying to to give to figure like what. EU Green Deal, like, really is. 
because actually, you know, first uh, I have to say that incorporates many elements from from uh, you know other policies around the world. For example, this the, the, this notion of deal you find it in in the United States, for example. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, uh, then you have this component of just that you know is as as old as the European communities are. Uh, so this like is really an amalgam. Um, like with many many peers of me, like we were discussing about maybe like a new paradigm even of EU integration process. Like uh, um, I read some articles, have discussions, and there are many analysts that they even compare the EU unification after the Second World War, um, uh, you know, as, you know, comparable to, to, to that, like at that, at that moment, the, the enemy was Nazism and the goal was to safeguard prosperity and, and peace. And nowadays, it's the irreversible, uh, you know, consequences of the climate change. So this is like really the enemy and the safeguarding the natural resources and prosperity is, is again the goal. Uh, more simple, like it can be seen and actually, you know, for an economist is just a policy, a set of policies in order to create a climate neutral economy by a certain point of the year. So, so uh, similar to what that, you had for 2020, this is simply a 2050 goal that we... Um, no, no, I think that it should be regarded like something like, it doesn't constitute another, another climate and energy and energy framework. Uh, mm. We don't have, again, like those, um, we have, but like a set of goals about, you know, that the renewable should, uh, uh, the renewable, you know, production should reach this certain amount by, by this, like... Uh, EU Green Deal is something more global. It's kind of a new growth paradigm because uh, it tries to onboard many, many different policies and many, many different portfolios. And here's like the beauty of the game, but it's also like really the difficulty of the game because mm -hmm. then, um, and it's like really an overarching um, framework and you have many, many economic and social aspects that they, 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 they will uh, play uh, and a very important role. Uh, we have actually also we, we see a change. Let me uh, say that we, we also, you know, really a change in, in even in the rhetoric of, of, of the Commission. Uh, start uh, talking about another form of, of economy, like um, uh, the concept of circular economy, and um, also being a little bit more approachable to, to the citizens and incorporating this element of just that they don't have like to leave anyone behind, meaning the meaning the, um, the regions and the countries that they will face more difficulties uh, transitioning to, to a low carbon energy system. Uh, again, like really, this seems fascinating, but um, I'm still not 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 persuaded how this will 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 really take place. And because is it, is it sorry, is it the role of the commission to uh, to implement these policies so we ensure that there is a just transition that you know no one is left behind kind of kind of something yeah. like that or or is it the EU leads that but the, actually the actual um, implementation is done by member states but uh, it's necessary to have the EU pushing member states in this direction uh, yeah actually the, the, the question like you know and the answer actually goes down to that um, there is um, the um, um, the governments of the energy union uh, and uh, that is you know um, is a directive so obliging the member states to give to give more and more data on their energy and climate policies uh, on, on 2030 and it was like really also a big project to have seen like really member states that they were reluctant member states that they were like really um, they were they they didn't uh, give the, the, the they didn't write their reports on, on time and so many differences honestly if you go back because now like they are they are they are, do, they are, they are public documents so we are not discussing about that like uh, is is um, um, you know secret and uh, like if you cross check like really in and how many how many like funding mechanism uh, a member state is is taking part and what the, it is reflected in, in in the in the national energy and policy and policy um, um, uh, energy and climate um, plans there are many many differences and uh, like again where is the truth 
And then again, you have like the just transition mechanism that is is um, first and reallocation and funding me mechanism uh, to require again from the member states to produce regional tra transition plans that have to be in, of course, in relation and aligned with the national energy and climate plans. Uh, so it's like, again, a reporting mechanism that doesn't set any specific, let's say, obligation. Mm -hmm. At the same time, talking, talking uh, about, about the, the, this notion of just, uh, the idea is that not to leave citizens behind or to, to, to create and provide the, um, the opportunities, like even to transition from, from one employment sector to the, to the other and keep you know this level of prosperity or even you know de develop it more and uh, for example in in this uh, composition of, of original um, transition plans it is required that the co local communities and and uh, and citizens play an active role and this for me is like is, is a big question because you have so many different ways that the local communities and citizens are represented in, in the decision making. And this is something that till now, the European Union didn't give an answer. And how so, how citizens can have their voices heard more. Exactly. Mm -hmm. For example, you have like a really, really different representation in terms, for example, because I come from Greece, I know that uh, the civil society and the, and the role of the civil society is not institutionalized, is not mm -hmm. in the, 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 the Greek constitution does not have any specific, uh, you know, mechanism in, in incorporating the um, uh, the voice of, of, the, of the civic society. Uh, so everything is to the central government. So, um, and for example, because it's a really good example, Greece is one of one of the of the regions because, like, also called region in transition, uh, that has to face many, many, many problems uh, in this transitioning of, of low carbon of low carbon economy. So, yeah, it's. But, but are we at a tricky point with the European Union? Because uh, we can look here at like cl climate change and energy the energy sector and input from citizens, but we can also look at the the rule of law, for example, and mm -hmm. and if we talk about populism, I mean, is it is the, and now there's some discussion at the EU level and national level, at all different levels, we'll say, for more direct funding for cities or for, we could say, local mm -hmm. governments from the EU. Um, mm -hmm. It seems like a turning point from the EU because now they've set these ambitious goals and targets uh, yeah. and many parts of civil society want to participate more and, and go more, but at the same time they're excluded from maybe formal institutions uh, yeah. and setting harder agendas for each, for their, their own communities that, where they live and work. Is, is it the role now of the Commission or European Union, we could say institutions, to direct to, and this this is actually in the Green Deal, this this greater connection, it's one of the goals, having a greater connection with the public. With yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, since the Juncker Commission, the uh, um, the Commission has been, like, really more approachable in terms, like, they're creating these fact sheets for the citizens, so they try to communicate the message and they use the social media as, like, I found it like really, really bright. And there are initiatives, for example, of covenant of mayors. And you see like at the local, uh, at the local level, you have like bright, bright ex examples or the EU islands initiative. Uh, uh, but still this basic constellation and it's really based on the circumstances. So if, uh, for example, there's some, some way of channel channeling money there so like for me what 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 i question is this continuity how you will keep this space up uh, and uh, for example I, I live in the netherlands and there um uh, you know the, the here the, the local governments they, they invest a lot or you have uh, bright examples for uh, for example nijmegen is a very green city and also in belgium but those are and sorry i don't know how it, it will it will sound th those are like considered like the more Know, privilege or the, the more advanced, let's say, uh, EU member states. So you have like again this division of south and and uh, and north and mm. west, east. So again, this this comes like this. Of course, it generates again and again as like you know also a vehicle for EU integration. 
But uh, I think we're like really on a turning point how we're going to, to, to work for the cohesion uh, itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and me, it's like, also it's generational like, as well. So we can have locations, but we can also have generations. And the younger yeah. generation, it, we could see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, don't, also I don't know the, what we can see. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to bring us around a little bit to the Impactor project uh, app uh-huh. that you're working on. And yeah. maybe you could explain the Impactor one, and then we can talk about this generational division. Yeah, that's division. Uh, Yeah, like um, uh, how, how actually I started being involved with Impactor. And there, like you see the power of social media. It was like uh, uh, this very inspiring uh, young ladies, Johanna Maher, she's the CEO and the founder, co-founder of, of, of this initiative. And she found like my my um, my profile on LinkedIn, me, uh, LinkedIn. And she just reached out to me and told me, Maria, we're awarding experts in sustainability because we have like this vision to, uh, to lead uh, a Youth, um, um, actually, uh, youth-led, um, uh, you know, action um, on, on sustainability on, on a global scale, and uh, we try like to use technology as much as, much as possible. And they're they're trying to they, they're building an application, and um, um, like it's it's like their vision is it's really amazing uh, they, they're really investing on that a lot and um, they try actually to, to connect many different people from many different disciplines and they're using also like a commu- communication platforms again so, on, so, uh, so it's an app but what, uh, so let's backtrack uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it will be an application. They're building an application, but like they are, first they created a community. Yeah? So they, they found experts around the, around the world. Um, and um, uh, in order like really to, to mobilize this youth driven movement. Uh-huh. And they want like to, to the mobile app that they are uh, preparing um, is uh, is a kind of game, gamification. So they wanted to to to, uh, to motivate young people first to make known what sustainability means, what means like to do an action on a small scale and create impact in in, in, in a broader scale. And um, it's a kind of like uh, its user will have a profile mm-hmm. and will um, will share to the community which were the actions that C or he has taken uh, in order to save their mar- the environment. Is, is it like a TikTok for sustainability? Exactly. Can, can be, can be, yeah. And actually, uh-huh. you know, they, they have also different campaigns. For example, they have like this amazing campaign that is called Flick the, the Streets. And they try to find which are the green energy providers around the world. And for example, they ask the aspects because, like, I'm 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 and the, and the team of experts to uh, to see which are the providers that they really uh, you know um, tick the box, like that they really are approachable from the citizens and citizens can can uh, have it. So um, young people can say that. Listen, for me, for example, it was easy. I'm renting an apartment. It was easy to change a provider. Mm-hmm. This can happen, like for example, here in the Netherlands. Maybe somebody else would say, "Yeah, there are other providers, but it's very, very difficult." And there you see, like these bottlenecks. Mm-hmm. And also, if if something, um, also like this idea of sustainability, sometimes like it became a buzzword. What really sustainability means? Huh? Uh, what, what are we talking about? So it can be like really, really many, many things. And actually, it differs also based on the location. So uh, you can like see many common components. Like I was in, 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 in webinars with people like from Australia, whatever, and, and I see like how people perceive the, the, the sustainability uh, here and there, and also have like differences that like really small actions in the local scale play uh, a, a, a different role. And I really like that Impactor, like really they, they do it in a fun way. Um, they're not lacking uh, scientific evidence or they're not lacking, uh, how to say, uh, robust evidence, but at the same time, it is really approachable. And actually it's like what the institutions are missing to uh-huh. be approachable. No, so, like so it's more this is, yeah the opposite of an institutional action because it's grassroots. It's people documenting exactly. with a video uh, app uh, what they are actually doing. And actually, you know, it's like really tailor-made to, to to the young population that is like really the future of this world. And the way that 
they actually, uh, you know, the way they act in their everyday life. Come on, like we, we have to accept that they are on with, with a phone and they're overusing social media. So this is a reality. So uh, yes, it's, it's more, I think, uh, you know, to, to get the message go through it for, for a young person, uh, it's, it's going to be like more easy if there's something like on social media or in an app like this and be shared with, with peers instead of a report. So Maria, you occupy a really interesting position here then. So you can see on one hand in your own personal professional experience in the EU Joint Research Center of producing data, looking at data, using data, feeding into this policy pipeline, never ending <laughs> new things. But, and then how is all that translated onto ground? And then, but you have a very concrete example of someone and a few people getting together, forming a, a small startup, uh, creating an app and helping the younger generation, we'll just say, uh, do things that make a difference on the ground and we're not mm -hmm. waiting for this policy process that filters down from the EU level to the national level then who knows where the money goes and all this other stuff mm -hmm. so I, I, think, I think it's a really good example of citizens initiatives outside the normal what, institutional structures that, that we yeah. as academics and, 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 yeah uh, allow me to say also the policy making so like policy making should not only be uh, you know concentrated in in and in, in the higher level should be yes. like really, really crossroads huh? because it's where we see like really the great differences. Um, we're talking about about marvelous things, but then uh, then you know, what is happening in, in the reality um, can be like really. So this is the big challenge then, the Green Deal is making, not just saying that they're making this connection with citizens, but actually creating a, a bridge to them. Uh, yeah, for actually, you know, I want to focus more, okay, there will be money, but like, I think that would be like really the wrong direction if we focus only uh, on the Green Deal to be another, another funding mechanism yes. of the EU. And again, I take the example of, of my of my 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 um, my country. That, for example, uh, if you go around Greece and, and you go for go, for example road trips like before, uh, you had like so many tableaus saying this this project has been funded with under. And honestly, I don't want the Green Deal to be to be again something that has been funded under under um, funding mechanism. Of you know from this year to that year uh, should be something broader. Like in papers is brilliant, but um, mm -hmm. uh, we should not rush. And of course, COVID nineteen the pandemic creates um, excuses to get more money for different things. Sorry, that's my yeah. personal opinion. <laughs> Uh, and also, like, I'm really afraid that we're going to repeat the, the same mistakes as 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 uh, in the past. You mean so, like co cohesion funding? Sent to exactly. member states. Yeah, uh -huh. exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, I have many hopes, but at the same time, I think what will will really change is to uh, to me to be as as uh, close uh, as possible to citizens to citizens' needs. And allow me here to bring another element, uh, you know, from from my from my also. Um, uh, professional experience in the um, in the Joint Research Center um, that we're dealing a lot with data and robust scientific knowledge and brilliant uh, brilliant reports, but not understandable from the real people from from, mm -hmm. from, from the simple citizen. And actually, what I see uh, also in, in the energy in general and in the climate sector is that the so-called hard sciences they are combating with the social sciences and uh, uh, it's really important to bring social sciences and humanities in the energy sector, in yes. the green deal. Uh, of course, I'm really in favor of modeling and again, I will repeat the best, uh, you know, scientific data um, taken here, you know, also the, the return the debate from, from uh, Greta Thunberg that says, okay, like uh, evidence shows us that uh, we're not, uh, uh, you know, going the right direction, but at the same time, we 
cannot be blind to, to the social realities. Like we're talking about like coal regions in transition um, uh, from from a social science perspective, and like if, if, if you if, if you uh, take like uh, articles written about coal regions in transition uh, from a perspective of more economic and ecological. Um, they they base actually their analysis and outcomes in in modeling without taking in consideration regional data. So you see, yeah, yeah, of course, there's a prospect, whatever, and really, you know, positive on that. But then uh, analysis from policy science pers perspective, they they give another reality. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. coal was like the national flagship. Uh, I know project and, and social imaginary for for Poland for many years now. Like this mode of of uh, Poland stands on coal. I'm sorry, this is a reality that you cannot change. Yeah, at the national level and the regional level within those coal regions, they they support coal, uh, regardless of the health and, impact. Uh, exactly. So, uh, and then uh, of course you have uh, you have like the, the national the national interest, and then you have to see also on the public policy and how like all these uh, you know will leverage in, in national elections, and how actually this will affect the the relation of the country towards the EU, uh, the European Union, and the EU level targets. So. What I say now, it's like give more more space to social sciences and humanities, and there are also other scholars, uh, for example, Intra Offerland from from Norway that they were leading um, a research about, and they they try to see how 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 much fund is actually allocated to social sciences. Yes, right. Uh -huh. And there's a really, really tiny percentage. So yes. actually, we, we we try to solve the biggest like question here that is like uh, you know really threatening the 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 the, uh, the human, uh, the human society, with projects and modeling. I'm yes. Like, um, uh, I'll be speaking with Benjamin Sovacool, uh in a few days. Ah, yes, uh, yes, just about yeah. that, about the article. Okay, with, great, mm -hmm. great. For example, Benjamin Sovacool, he he's leading, uh, you know, this this bright, uh, you know, research uh, network of social sciences in, uh, um, in the UK. Yeah, but they and just and been disbanded. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, I think, sorry, I'm overstepping. He's the former director of the center, and I'll be having the podcast about the activities of the center. Uh, okay. The, the okay, interviews great. about the activity, but because I think the center is no longer functioning now. So in the UK. Oh, really? Well, the network is still, it's still there, and actually, like, you yes. know, really. In, the, in connecting people in in social sciences and humanities, and actually people that they are, they have also more also in technological perspective, yes. uh, and you see how everything is is complementing. Yeah, everything uh, complements uh, each other, and and I think uh, because it, it, maybe Fukushima, uh, going back maybe to the to the start mm -hmm. of everything, uh, the F Fukushima you know demonstrates exactly right this environmental impact the choice a society has on technologies. Mm -hmm. And so you can't just uh, implement new new technologies. You still need to have the buy-in of society. And coal in Europe is a very good example. We have a, another podcast with um, uh, Roxana Bukata. Uh, she was one of my master's students. And it's looking at the Zhu Valley in Romania. And all this money from the EU went into the region. And uh, actually, she details it in her master's thesis. And one person got a job. So hundreds of millions of euros, and one person becomes a wind uh, generator technician. So uh, this is why yeah, exactly the point about money can't can't solve all this. There has to be a much stronger social awareness, and what the what coal and what these regions, yeah, uh, the the social structure, the socio economic structure within these regions has to be uh, yeah, there. No, absolutely, and actually, you know, like uh, and, and citizens. Um, they're demanding, uh, like the demand is there. When uh, and also because uh, also in, in and during uh, my my assignment, the John Rison Center, um, we we did the research about about energy poverty. And for me, like this is great issue. Like again, in in, in and, and actually, this coincides. Like if you take also regions, they are coal regions in transition. They they face also many problems in terms of energy poverty. Huge. So how, how everything, how, how things are, are interconnected and, and people, they they demand 
uh, for something better. Like in, in my hometown and uh, in, in Western Greece, there is the, they, they installed some wind turbines, and my mom simply asked me, you know, told me, you know, you're a renewable energy expert. Tell me, are they going to produce electricity? And if it's like cheaper, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want that. Or, for example, people that don't understand, they don't understand the uh, how to read their the energy bills. This is like, uh, or for example, there is like this, this also element of of solidarity because like this, this uh, is like solidarity fund for the islands uh, for the production of, of renewable energy. And people are asking, where is where is that? When you have like monopoles again, when when people like to strive to, to create energy communities and and install solar panels in their terraces or whatever, and then in order to access the grid, they have to pay I don't know how much. How much yes. How much so so money. you even have like say national companies or whatever monopolies in place, whether state owned or privately owned, that stand in the way of this energy transition. Exactly. So I think like. Should we maybe start like you know focusing on these problems first, and yes. then talking about about mechanism, then talking about and then overproducing another other uh, you know documents um, like um, no we can't get, we can't uh, yeah so I mean, the EU can set the agenda in, in one sense and the targets and bring member states along, but but also I think it's the responsibility of the EU. Uh, itself, if it sets these goals and uses these institutions, that they have to address what the people are doing and whether the member state governments are actually fulfilling these commitments that the EU says that it's doing and mm-hmm. the national governments are fulfilling. Because if the money is just spent by national governments in an intransparent way or on projects that are not providing jobs or helping homeowners transition towards a much more sustainable lifestyle, which they hear in the news, oh yes, these projects are funded, or sustainability is good, and they want to participate. They want to be, I think most people want to participate in this energy transition and do the right thing, but they're not able to, whether that's because their socioeconomic status or what, what, what can they do around themselves. They can do small things, but are these small things actually enough when it compares to state funding for coal-fired power plants or new gas pipelines, these, these types of things that undermine the, the efforts that, that can be done at the local level. I, I have one, one final question uh, for you, and, and I think this comes from both your involvement uh, with, with, the, with an app right to do prompt change, but also your experience from working with the Joint Research Center. What, what are you working on now, and what do you, what do you ho- hope to do yourself? Yeah, it's like also I'm in very in transition phase. Like after after uh, leaving the joint research center, that was like really personal a personal choice. Um, I tried like to figure out what I really want to do more. Like going back to academia, I'm always like well related to to academia with uh, with the King's College. Uh, at the same time, like uh, initiatives like Impactor, or I'm collaborating. I'm, I'm helping uh, the scientific research NGOs like Action made here in the Netherlands and um, I want like to to merge everything kind of um, I'm also like I became very very interested in in uh, gender mainstreaming in energy transition and and climate change mitigation um, so it's like um, Gen- gender like- mainstreaming and climate change. can you explain that more I like why for me it's like really straightforward and self-explanatory and like I, I, have I, haven't, I haven't heard it Okay, I'm out of the loop oh. on this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, first, it's like um, that the female population around the world uh, faces most of the um, negative impacts of the climate change, and especially in, in the emerging countries. Um, then, energy and climate uh, sector per se, in, in the means of operation of, of uh, you know, structure or infrastructures is male-dominated. You don't have many, many, many women that they are participating in the decision-making process, although are they, that they, they have to take the, the energy decisions in their, for example, in their households, or they, as I explained before, that they, they, they are the ones that they are uh, suffering from, from the um, negative implications of, of the climate change. 
And, um, you know, I think it's like really, really relative, uh, relevant for the renewable energy sector uh, in terms of the employment trends uh, to, uh, to be able to have on board more, more women and not only engineers because, um, you know, all this energy and climate, let's say, sector is mostly related with, with having a background in uh, so-called STEM uh, um, you know, background, I mean, uh, educational, but the thing is, like, how we're going to, to onboard more women in the decision-making process. And it's nice, like, I'm really happy that, for example, in DG Energy now, the head is, uh, is Kadri Sikson as is, is, is a woman. Um, and, um, yeah, the more the more I'm delving into that, the more I see uh, that is also really relevant if we want to have, like, a new economic paradigm. And for the EU Green Deal, this, like, really important we cannot um, in many many member states we still have uh, this problem with patriarchy and women they are not landowners or they're not able to take decisions because those decisions I go through the head of the household that's yes uh, with a man so I don't think that we can like really uh, talk about decentralization of energy systems without having empowered citizens that they are not uh, dependent or they are not like labeled by by their 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 gender uh, it's a fascinating sector um, and um, coming back to your 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 question about like what I'm where I'm heading like really now um, um, like I have recently registered uh, my policy consultancy great uh, yeah that is called the energy matrix <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it and it explains the complexity Exactly. Actually, um, I was not really an algebra person in the in school, but I was like more a geometry person. And it's like this is like a geometric the way that the geometric display of these alger al al algebraic uh, you know calculations, mathematical calculations. Um, so uh, yeah, actually, I named the, the uh, my consultancy after this name because in order to show the the complexity. Yes. So, for example, uh, if you stand from a social policy view, you will have like other resources. If you stand from an economic point, the, the thing is like how how you uh, balance all those factors. For me, uh -huh. this is like really, really the the great uh, the great like uh, you know dilemma and the great uh, um, what actually you know the policy makers policy making makers have have to face so i really and want and that's to your your kind of uh, specialty is is writing about and examining how how to make this balance yeah absolutely like uh, also like uh, this idea of transnational governments really uh, inspires me because like really energy is the most distinctive exa example and climate change of of transnational governments and uh, uh, this interplay with with different actors um, and um, you know I think that like this will uh, will um, will enable me also to put all of my my expertise and uh, background and also talents to to that and uh, I, I want to see change, honestly. I don't want to, to, to stay behind uh, an institution or behind a desk. Uh, I want to be there. I want to be, um, um, you know, on the front line, let's say. Yes. And uh, I think that, like, this professional movement will, will, will enable me to do that. I, I think it's great. No, no, I, and I really like the use of matrix because it describes well. Uh, what you're doing and kind of what we're all doing in the energy transition, the social science policy sphere is looking at all these competing and they do compete, the economic side of things, the social side of things, but there's a balance that has to be struck. And yeah. it's at least getting the different, we could say actors, economic actors, social actors aware of the other ones is a good first step. And then finding the balance of uh, how do we choose technologies for the future maybe protecting ways of life from the past or preserving them in, in a certain way, maybe in a new way. And, and it is this balance that, that yeah, it, it makes it balance. so hard to find. Yeah, and harmony, if I want to, to use a bit more and another philosophical term that comes again from my, uh, from, from ancient Greeks, like, you know, the, the balance and, and the harmony. Like, uh, I think that that is what we're missing. Uh, and it's not like that we're missing the, the um, you know, the human capital. Uh, like, there's a lot of innovation there and, uh, you know, artificial intelligence, all these 
things about digitalization of, of energy, for example, and blockchain. Uh, it's not that we're missing the tools. I think that we are really missing, you know, the capacity and even to to accept our mistakes and work on that. And I really hope that uh, that the decision makers they will will, will be more. Um, they will take more action on, on, on that. Uh, from my side, I will try to do. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I love it. I love it. You you have your agenda and your purpose, we, we could say, and, and that's what you're going for. That's what you're doing together with yeah. others as well. So, Maria, I want to thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Michael. It was like really stimulating discussion, huh? No, I uh, loved it. I love it. I, yeah, this me is, too. This is how I keep my sanity at the moment. So, <laughs> yeah. you can't travel and see people, but hey, at least let's have some conversations. Well, I will make you jealous now. Like I'm going, I'm off to Greece tomorrow. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a while. I haven't been there. Like it drives me really crazy. Uh, so I found this opportunity, and um, I'm going back and to take a little bit of uh, you know peace of mind. Uh, contemplate the onion sea. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I told you, I just came back. And, from and my- winter rhymes that they are not connected to the grid. <laughs> <laughs> I came back from Lake Balaton today, so I had to get some some water in before summer is finished, which is I think if okay now unofficially tomorrow the weather weather changes. So I understand just to, yeah. even even to, just to get home that 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 would be nice for me. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Actually, you know, for me, like let, let's finish with that, and uh, it's also relative with the, with the climate change. And because, like, uh, if we think about like how this pandemic started, and we have really to reconsider about the way we're living, the way that we're consuming, the way that we're transporting, the way that we are working, and the way that we consume energy or we overconsume, uh, and like it brought up, uh, you know, the fragility of the human species, and like. Uh, this inability like really to meet your 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 family or like this social distancing and uh uh like uh for me like it's 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 maybe an opportunity to 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 think uh more seriously uh, and and to to reconsider and also the emergency of the climate change because if if we, we continue like this, another pandemic will, will, will come because, uh, you know, it's like really for me, it's really straightforward that that really also came from from from, from the consumption patterns and the way we live. Yeah. Um, and it, it had a lot of victims, so let's think, let's think about, about them and just do the change. No, I, I totally, absolutely agree. We'll, we'll end there and we'll just say, you know, things have to fundamentally change now. Uh, and maybe maybe some people will say, no, they'll go back to the way the way they were. And I, I don't think so. I don't think the even economically we can go back to the way oh, things no. were. And and I think habits, these, these types of things, I don't know. Thank you, Maria, for joining me today. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for listening to this episode of the My Energy 2050 podcast. Please follow the My Energy 2050 podcast on iTunes or Stitcher so that you can automatically get updated with each new episode. If you like this episode and feel others can benefit from the information, please share it on social media. You can contact me to provide feedback or suggestions on Twitter at My Energy 2050 or on LinkedIn.